Hi, welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I am so excited about today's episode, but before we get into that, if you missed out on the last episode, go back and check it out. I sort of updated you guys on what happened last year in 2018 and where I'm hoping to go. Also, if you missed out on the Valentine's Day episode with Taylor, we talked all about learning to love yourself. It can be so difficult as single moms to make the time to pour into ourselves and Taylor definitely dropped a lot of gems so you can go back and catch both of those episodes if you have not taken out the time to leave a review and you've been listening and finding these episodes helpful please take a moment to pause this and go and do that if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts. This week we are talking all about money. So I know that filing season has began. We talked with Roslyn about income tax and now we get to chat about what we can do with that money and how we can begin to pay off some debt. I believe that you will find this episode very helpful. Um, I always wonder, you know, how people pay off their debts and what their mindsets are like. And so Angela walks us through the process. She was only making 50000 I believe, and she got laid off two or three times from her job, y'all. So I know that you guys will find it relatable. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on to talk about your journey. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. You are welcome. So take a moment to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Angela. I live in California. I have a preteen daughter. Um, I've been a single mom um, the full 12 years she's been alive. Her father and I um, broke up when she was two months old. And it's just been she and I for this entire time. He oh, is wow. involved. Yeah, he is involved financially and, and physically. He's in her life, but, you know, he lives a couple hours away. Um, at one point, he was living across the country, and he slowly made his way back over to this side of town. And, you know, he's, you know, he's involved, but I have the day-to-day 24-7, 365. Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I just want to like take a moment to go back to your childhood a little bit. So growing up, did anyone take the time out to have conversations around finances or what did that look like for you? My mother was really good with her finances. She had um, four kids and I want to say by the time she was, when she was, she had me when she was 19, 18 or 19. So when she was my age in her mid 30s, she had a 17 year old 
and three kids, three siblings under her, and she didn't make a lot of money. So, and I never knew that because we always had what we wanted. She bought a home. And so she was always good with her money. When I say good, I mean, she was good, but there wasn't any wealth building. There was not extra money for her to put aside um, for college or for her to invest or do anything like that. She wasn't familiar with that. She wasn't brought up with that. But what I did understand was how to balance a checkbook, um, how to manage, so to speak, your credit cards um, and your debt. But beyond that, that was all. I didn't know anything about checking accounts or retirement, 401k. And that went all the way up until college. When I got my very first job out of college, I remember going to a 401k meeting and I had no idea what it was. And I remember not signing up for it. I didn't know what it was. And that was when I had graduated from college and I had been to a ton of financial workshops, but that was something that didn't resonate with me. Wow. I didn't really know a lot about retirement either. Now, my grandpa is like really organized with his finances. Like when I say organized, he likes has this binder for every bank that he has a bank account with. And then he has like his little dividers, um, his monthly dividers for each year. So just say if it's Regions Bank, and it's 2019, right? So he'll have a binder that says Regions Bank 2019. He <laughs> makes this by hand, okay? Because he doesn't really know how to use a computer like that. So mm-hmm. he'll have it. And then if you open it up, it's like January through December. And he has each checking statement in there. You would think like now we're in the age of like, you know, everything paperless and electronic. But no, he still has those things. Right. You know? And so yeah. um, if I never learned anything else, it was... Um, to look at your checking accounts and check your statements, even though I didn't really, you know, do it like I should have growing up, but I did learn some things from him. But as far as having conversations, we didn't really have a lot other than him just saying like how he, you know, he invested in like gold coins and like um, bills. I don't know if you're familiar with like, you know, how people can buy like different series of bills and you can like sell them and get more of wow. them. So yeah, he, yeah, had not this, um, he had this thing where he did that, whether like, I guess, is it sort of like a, a money collection, right? So you buy like gold coins or silver coins, bills, like they have different series and then you, you hold them for a while and then you sell them for more money, especially gold. You know, back then, gold was worth a lot. I don't know the value right now. He said it was down. I think the last time I talked to him when I went home. But, yeah, that's what he did. And then also he had um, his, like, investment account at Edward Jones. I think he let them manage it for him. And okay. Well, you were more – in. You, he was more um... – established in a lot of people my mom didn't have any of that All yeah she had the was thing was I don't know if he had a credit you know that maybe that's something I should ask him when I go home but um yeah so he was really good with that but he was so like stingy like he would not like help out he would not give you any money and <laughs> you know like that sort of thing like he was so like focused on building his own wealth and keeping his wealth or keeping his money and that he was not really helping anybody. But, you know, I can say that I did learn some things from him, you know, make sure that I do have a retirement account, making sure that I 
am aware of what I have in my checking account, but as far as like anything else, you know, like getting in debt or anything like, I guess the typical millennial um, does like, no, he did not, <laughs> he did not talk about yeah. that. So I yeah, we didn't either. Didn't yeah, my really mother, have... she, oh yeah, no, I was saying my mother, you know, she grew up in poverty um, and she made it, you know, a, a, she made it out and was a bit more established than her mother, but we still um, received some government assistance for a lot of our childhood. And I, there were times where the, I didn't know that we had that. Um, she went to school and she worked and she took care of us and she made sure that she had a roof over our heads. And she was so well with her money that a lot of family members would ask her for help or ask her for assistance. Um, wow. There never was, there never was a talk about how things should work or how things should go because she doesn't know. Um, and I, I think that one of the big parts that played, the big parts that she played was sacrifice. My mother didn't have a lot of clothes. She didn't have a lot of shoes. Well, we had braces. We had a computer. We had the nice clothes and nice shoes. We had everything. Um, and I think that is that played a lot into how I am as a mother and a part of my journey. Sacrifice was huge. I mean, sacrifice is probably 98% of how I was able to get through my journey on a low income, living in a high cost of living area and trying to provide the best for my child. My mother sacrificed everything. And she still does. I mean, now she's living her life a bit more. She's making more money. She's more established. She only has one kid at home. But, you know, when I was growing up, it, it wasn't that. And so, yeah, everything that I've learned from money was post-college. Yeah, I, I feel the same way because I'm like, you go to college and they present you with these like student loans and you know, credit cards and nobody ever tells you about how they actually work. Right. Oh, so yeah. You right. Thinking like, especially like the student loans, you get them thinking, well, oh, you know, I have a refund I can live off of, but not really realizing that this interest is crazy. And when you make the minimum payments, like it just goes to interest and that's it. And so you're mm-hmm. paying these things forever unless you make like big chunks of payments. And it's like, it's so crazy. I'm like, I just wish somebody would have told me. But actually, you know, my mom, she was basically a single mom and she couldn't help me out with college. And so that was the only option that I had. And there was no like college savings fund or anything like that for me whenever I went. And then to take it further, you know, getting out of college with, you know, student loan debt and credit card debt, because that was just the way that was just the way that I was surviving. And then mm-hmm. you know, having yeah. a baby in the middle of college, it just added more to <laughs> more debt to what yeah. I already had. And so anyways, yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to have <laughs> a conversation with you because I felt like, you know, it's hard to find, you know, other single moms that are out here like living this life, but actually have a mindset to want to be debt free. Like, I think that broke has become the new normal like living paycheck to paycheck is okay and impressing people that you don't know you know like Mm -hmm. especially in the world of like social media people will go broke to to take a picture and say that they have this or say that Mm -hmm. they have that and it's just beyond me (laughs) so I want to know like what moment did you have to where you say okay Angela like this has got to stop. Like you have to get out of this. 
what was that like for you? Were you living a, ch- a check to check? And did you have an accountability partner or anyone that you told about this decision or that held you accountable along the way? I would, I say I've always been interested in money. I work in a, and I work in the entertainment industry and I work around a lot of wealthy people. So I always knew that I wanted to graduate. I want to make a whole bunch of money and I want to get a bomb house and everything else. So, but I didn't make enough. So I was, I remember my very first job um, after I had my daughter, which was right after college, I started reading books and I started the first book I read that opened my eyes to this whole world of finance was Susie Orman's Women and Money. She was on Oprah and she was promoting her book. This was in, I think, 2006 or 2007. Um, and she, there was a free PDF on on Oprah's website. I printed out the entire book and read it and was like, wow, I'm going to do this. But what happened and the reason why I didn't continue to really follow Susie Orman was because I was in her book, I was being told to do too many things at one time. I was being told that I need to put money into a retirement account. I need to save money as an emergency fund and I need to pay off my debt. I was only making $15 an hour at the time. There was no way I felt, I felt like I couldn't save anything. People would say, you know, you need to pay, pay yourself first. And I'm like, I can't, I'm paying a thousand dollars for daycare. I'm making 15 bucks an hour. I'm paying, you know, I'm living in a small apartment, but I'm paying almost a thousand dollars for rent. And I'm still trying to, you know, get my hair done. I mean, I didn't have my priorities straight. And so when you're trying to do too many things at one time, when it comes to your finances, you lose momentum, you lose drive, and it all failed and I stopped. It wasn't until a few years later, I started back into it. I, I kept reading things, but like I said, I could never just find the right order or the right way to do things to keep me on track. It wasn't until a few years later that I started reading and listening to podcasts about real estate investing. I decided that I wanted to purchase a duplex. At that time, I had kind of went up in my career path and I was making maybe high 40s, low 50s, somewhere around there. And um, my job had a lot of perks. I had a corporate card. I was able to expense my lunches and and my travel and things like that. So I had what I felt like a bit more a bit more money to spend. And but I wasn't I didn't know where my money was going. I was spending things and I you know I was able to do all the things that I love to do, get my hair done, get my nails done, have cute clothes. I said I work in a, a very trendy place and so everyone had to dress nice and look nice and represent themselves and I felt like I was doing all that but at the end of the day I didn't go anywhere. I didn't have anything to show for it. I was contributing to my retirement account because I knew that's what I needed to do and I was already in my late 20s and I didn't start on that. So that was one thing that I did do. But to go back to where it kind of hit me was I had saved up $5,000 because I was going to buy a duplex or a triplex. And I was going to live in one and rent out the rest and live happily ever after and start real estate investing. And so I saved $5,000. At that point in time, that was the most I had ever saved in my entire life. And I was so proud of myself. Um, My boyfriend at the time had introduced me to Dave Ramsey. He was doing this program. And um, I started listening to his podcast and doing some research. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting. 
And what stuck, what I, what stuck to me about his program was that he gave specific steps on how to do something. And as I mentioned earlier with Susie Orman, I was trying to save and invest and pay off a debt and I wasn't getting anywhere. So with Dave Ramsey, it was, you know, you do your emergency fund first, you do this, this, and this. And so what I did was after listening to him, I thought there's no way I can spend $5,000. Listen to these real estate gurus talk about putting myself into a bigger debt situation by buying a duplex or triplex when I have $30,000 of student loans, I have $25,000 car note, and I have credit card debt. This is not going to be a blessing to me if I were to go and buy a property with 3% down in California. It's, it's, it's not going to work. I don't care what anybody says. That's a risk as a single mother that I'm not willing to take. So I decided to put that dream on hold and to become debt-free because I wanted to put myself in the best financial situation possible for my daughter. So from that moment on, this was in 2014, is when I decided I'm going to do this. I took 3000 of the 5000 and paid off my credit card. And I had 2000 in my emergency fund. Dave Ramsey says to have one. At the time when I was just beginning, I didn't feel comfortable with one. I had a baby. Stuff came up and I, you know, I, I wanted to have $2,000. Um, but I got rid of that credit card debt and I um, stopped. I, put, I lowered my contribution at the time to 6%. He says to completely eliminate retirement contributions and to throw everything at your debt. At that time, when I first started, I wasn't what he considers gazelle intense. I wasn't selling everything. I was still living my life. But I was budgeting and I had cash envelopes. The cash envelopes helped tremendously with me making sure that I stay on track with my budget and that I only spent the amount allotted. And at that time, I was making that pretty decent money. I was getting overtime. I had got a promotion. Um, I was on track to become completely debt-free while still allowing myself to have some fun time in about two years. But in 2015, a year after I started, my company let me go. And that's when everything just went downhill from there in 2015. Wow. So I guess like my question is, first of all, you said that you've always wanted to, you've always been interested in money, but I guess like some people feel like they can like avoid their financial situation and they don't really prioritize it. And so you got to a point where you have been living this life and you said, you know, you had everything. You was like getting your hair done, get all this materialistic stuff but you had right, right. really to show for it. And so right. I guess there was a mindset shift, right? Cause you said, you know, your um, the boyfriend that you had at the time, he introduced you to Dave Ramsey and you went and started listening to his podcast and you started doing research. So at that point you had in your mind that you were going to do whatever it took to find out more information. So I feel like, again, there was a mindset shift. 
right? And so you get to a point where, okay, like you said, now, you know, you've lost your job. Like, what was that like, like mentally, you know, because you were all motivated, you were super pumped, you know, you were doing what you had to do, you had put yourself in the position, and now you don't have your job. Like, how did you make it through? You had, I guess at the time, $2,000 in your emergency fund, and did you get unemployment, or like, how did you kind of make it through, and how long was that period? That period was lasted me six months. Um, I was at my company for about four years, and I got a pretty decent severance package. Um, and I had a ton of connections. So with my severance package, I will also say my company had a heads up. I got laid off in March of 2015. I want to say in October of 2014, the company got a notice that there were going to be massive layoffs in the new year. So, but we didn't know which departments were going to be laid off. And I was told I'm a part of the creative department. We're the money makers. And I was told that it's going to be the operations. You guys are fine. They're not going to let you guys go. Don't worry about it. But, you know, as you kind of kept hearing, like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to try to prepare myself. I start. I stopped paying towards my debt, and I stopped all retirement, and I upped my withholdings to get as much money as I could into my check. And I just started saving and, and, and trying to stash. Now I only had about three or four months to do that, but I needed all that I could. When that day came that I got let go, I felt okay. I mean, it was sad. I cried because I was there for a long time. I had a family. But I got, you know, a nice severance package and they they really took care of us, so to speak, with the um, resources to find another job and resume help and a career coach. So I'll say I used some of that money and I took a little weekend getaway (laughs) Um, and just kind of to clear my mind and to try to not think about things. And then I just saved it all. And six months later, I got another job. I didn't pay on any debt. I I paid for just my necessities, um, and I didn't have to use unemployment at that time. Six months later, I found another job, and as soon as I got that job, I hustled my butt off, and I paid off my car. Now, mind you, from 2014, the beginning of 2014, I have paid more than half off on my car. I was throwing seven, $800 a month at my car. In 2015, the summer of 2015, when I started my new job, I had made enough money to completely pay off my car. So in October of 2015, my car was completely paid off. Once I got that job, I also took all of the severance that I had and used that to pay off my car. So instead of me going to splurge and do all this different other stuff, I just held tight onto that money and used it when I got my second job to pay off my car. That second job only lasted me eight months. In 2017, on April Fool's Day, I was called into the HR and told that I was being let go again because the company was losing money. They had to downside. I was the last to be hired and last to be fired. So once again, I was without a job. Another crushing blow to my soul, to my heart. I'm just like, this can't be happening again. But I was one debt. I was relieved of one debt. I didn't have a car note anymore. All I had at that point were my student loans. Wow. So, 
Yeah. So I, you know, I was like, you know what? I went through this before. I can do it again. And I'm so thankful that I was aggressive and paying off my debt. And at this point, that's when I said, oh, no, I'm not doing the, you know, YOLO life. You know, you only live once. Treat yourself. I'm like, no, uh, uh-uh. this is my second time getting laid off. I'm not about this. I am going to go super hard, find a new job. I'm throwing the rest. Uh, I'm, I'm taking my emergency fund down to a thousand dollars because I can cash flow anything that comes up. I had all I had at that moment. I had no bills. I started cooking at home. I took away a lot of my daughter's expenses and her extracurricular stuff. And I didn't mention when I first started in 2014, those are things that I did. My daughter goes to a private school where tuition is very, very steep. And her lunches for the week were $35 a week. And out of a convenience for me, it was easy to toss that $35 a week to buy her hot lunch. I said, no, I'm going to make you lunch every single day. That's money that I need. We're not doing dance classes anymore. I'm not going to do all the extra stuff that I want to do. We're cutting all that stuff out. So fast forward to 2017, when I got laid off the second time, I was used to not having any of that. And so all I had were my rent, my cell phone, my internet, just the basic necessities. And I was able to live off of that with my unemployment. The only difference is with this company, I got one week of severance. And I had no savings except $4,000. But because my expenses were so low, I was able to pay for everything with just the unemployment. And I did start driving Lyft. With unemployment and Lyft, I was able to make, to meet my bills, not incur any debt, any extra debt, and still keep my $1,000 in my emergency fund. But it was hard. I struggled. I had to get up every day, have people in my car, driving Lyft on for, for a weekend or as a side hustle when you want to, is cool. But when you have to do it to make a living or something quick, it was not the business. It was not fun. It was not exciting. But at that time, it was more beneficial for me to drive Lyft than to go to a temp agency, get paid $11 an hour, drive across the city and be on somebody's time. When I was driving Lyft or doing all of the other door-to-door services, I was able to work on my own time, work as long as I needed to, to get, to make the amount that I needed. And um, through that, I did do some temp things. Um, I did some some survey stuff. I did focus groups, but none of that really contributed. I mean, I got, you know, a little bit of money from different focus groups that I did. On my spare time, I did some survey stuff. Uh, but the main brunt of it was, once again, it was sacrifice, not doing anything, cutting down my expenses even further than what it was, and spending a ton of time getting my resume together, talking to my network to find me another job. I was um, telling everyone that I knew that I was out of work. I think that a lot of people miss that step when they get laid off or even when they are working. Um, they're afraid or ashamed to say, I lost my job or I got laid off. I had my elevator pitch ready. Um, no, you know, I'm not working right now, but I'm looking. Or, you know, hey, I'm not working right now. Do you know of someone that can use some help? I was doing 
um, admin work for friends who needed help and didn't know that I was available. I had a girlfriend who does real estate. And I'm like, hey, do you need help with something? I have admin experience. And so she would hire me. She'll give me 12 bucks an hour to come and organize her office to send out some mailers. And she knew someone that needed help. And that's how I kind of, you know, got my money. And that was easier and better for me to do things like that, to hustle in that way where I can make just enough to pay my bills, but still focus on my next job, keeping my LinkedIn intact, connecting with old coworkers um, and old supervisors, sending my resume out, even investing in a, um, a company that provides help on resumes and designs. Because I know that, you know, I'm, I have a lot of experience and I'm sending my resume out. I'm not getting any calls back because my resume looks just like everybody else's. So I went ahead and went on Etsy and I bought this beautiful template that just kind of lays everything out slightly different than the vertical or the horizontal way of how a resume should work. As soon as I sent that resume out, I started getting callbacks. And, it, and the first thing they said was, wow, your resume looks good. And that was a choice that I had to make because I didn't have extra money. That was going to cost me $15, $20 extra to buy a a template of a resume, but it was worth it. And I had to be careful with the different things that I decided to do. You know, of course I had it in my mind. Let me start a blog and try to make money, but starting a blog costs money. It costs money to, you know, to pay that monthly fee. It costs money for design. It costs money to teach myself how to do that design. And I was just too afraid to put money into that when I knew that I needed to take care of my baby, I had to pay her tuition and I did get behind on tuition. Um, and I still wanted her to do some of the things that she did. She plays the saxophone. I was paying monthly saxophone rental. I, you know, still had to buy food and, you know, I did put aside some of my pride through with the advice of a girlfriend and I went ahead and applied for food stamps. And can I tell you that that was the best thing that I did? I was able to get, I think I was getting around 380 a month for food. My daughter and I ate very well. And that was one thing that kept me at peace and allowed me some wiggle room in my budget. Because I'm sure you know, as most people, the biggest budget item they have is usually food. So I didn't have to go to the 99 cent store and just kind of pull and push things together. Mm. I went and we had full meals and I knew that I can come home and have food. So that was saving me three, $400 a month. And I felt good to know that my rent is paid and that I was able to provide food and I could sit and focus and do something else. And that's how I was able to just hustle. I took temp jobs. I took intermediate jobs. I took jobs that I didn't want. I took jobs that underpaid me. I did everything. Um, and I know in 2017, that year when I wasn't working, I made $15,000 and did not touch my emergency fund at all. Why? Because I sacrificed. And I, and I, I did I want to give up? Yeah, I wanted to give up. I wanted to stop. But I had to think of why I started. You know, like when you think of why you started, you kind of get that revelation and it's like, there's no way I can allow myself to go back. I worked way too hard. I sacrificed so much these past two years and I have to pick myself up and keep going 
so that I don't end up in this situation again. And then I also tell myself, you know, I prayed, I'm very spiritual. And I knew that it was meant for me to pay all that debt off and get fired. Because if I had car notes and credit card bills and student loans, and I did have student loans at the time, but I was able to put them in deferment because I was laid off. If I still had all those bills, there's no way I could have made it a year living off $15,000. Absolutely no way. It was all just hustle, sacrifice and prayer and trusting in God. Wow. That's amazing though, that, you know, you were able to make those sacrifices and do those things. So during that period, whenever you were driving for Lyft and you were doing your side jobs or like the temp agencies and things like that, who actually kept your daughter? And do you feel like there is like really an effective way to do those side hustles without sacrificing time with her? That's why I like the side hustles versus the temp agency where I had to go sit at an office. The side hustle, doing Lyft, I would take her to my neighbor's house. First and foremost, it's just me and my daughter in the area. I don't have family here. My family lives about two hours away. Um, I have friends, but they work. So it's utilizing my circle, her community at school. We have we have friends that live about 15, 20 minutes away, and we all help each other out. I would take her to their house for carpool in the morning. As soon as I drop her off, I would drive until 4.30, until the bus came and dropped her off at home. And actually, she liked that because when I was working, I wasn't getting off until 6 or 7 o'clock. Traffic here is insane. We wouldn't get home. When I can get off work at 4.30 or stop driving at 4.30, I can cook dinner for her. I actually had more time with her because I was on my own schedule. And if I, when I did do the freelance job, once again, it was just using my network, using the community that I had of other parents to say, hey, they knew that I was out of work. Um, they knew that I was in transition and looking for different things. There was no problem with them keeping her overnight if I had to work on the show or if I had to go out of town for production or if I was working on a show and I had to be on set for 14, 15 hours. It sucked, but I had at least five people I can count on to say, can you pick her up? Can she spend the night with you? So it, it was really important for me to utilize my network and my community because I didn't have family to take her to, to keep her or her father. Her father doesn't live near me, so it was all on me. So, you know, that was hard, but she understood. Nothing I did throughout this journey, she didn't know about. She knew exactly why expenses, or I'll say not expenses, but she knew exactly why activities were getting cut. She knew why we weren't doing certain things, and she knew why I had to work late. And, you know, when I started this, she was in the third grade, so she was six, seven, or eight, so she, she definitely understood. Wow. So for those moms out there who are actually working, because I don't know if you mentioned that. I don't think you had any side hustles while you actually had your job. You just had the extra money to throw at your debt, right? So you wasn't doing right. extra. But like for right. those moms who may be living check to check and they want to do a side hustle, like, do you have any recommendations for them? Because a lot of them feel like, you know, it takes away from the time with their kids, just for instance, like if they work and then they want to come home and they want to drive for Lyft, you know, so now yeah. they're missing time from the kid and they have to, like you said, utilize their support system. Right. I think that 
and I'm just speaking from my experience, a side hustle while I was working was not going to be beneficial. Um, for me and for a lot of people, the key is your budget. There are things that people just don't want to cut out. And you have excuses for everything. If I can give one tip, which I'm sure that'll probably be later, but you have to get rid of excuses. You know, everything can be cut down. And if it takes you making more money, then what I would recommend, instead of getting a side hustle, especially since you're, a side hustle will probably cost money and it'll cost time. Utilize that time to educate yourself in getting better at your job. So if you have a if you have a little bit of extra money, go ahead and get on um, Linda L Y N D A and teach yourself Microsoft Excel, the advanced techniques. What can you do to make more money at your job? What can you add to your resume to send out to a new job? A lot of problem, a lot of the problem that we had. Because I was living paycheck to paycheck as well, but I had to give up things and I had to quit saying, "Oh, I can't do that," or you know, "But I really, really need new shoes," or you know, "I really want to do this." You know, what's more important? My daughter and our financial future was more important. You know, I want to do what other people are not doing right now so that I can do what they can't do later. And getting a, getting a side hustle while I'm working as a single mom for me just was not an option. Um, so it, for a lot of people, it's really looking at your budget and slashing pretty much 50% of it and just saying no. And when you have an excuse as to why you can't do it, well, my daughter, really, I really want her to learn how to swim. She just has to learn how to swim. Well, she can't do that right now. You know, that's just, that's not an option. You know, we're going to, I'm going to have to sell whatever I can. I didn't have anything to sell, but you know, I, I think instead of trying to worry about a side hustle, slash your budget down and worry and work on how to get elevated at your job or how to get a new job. You know, a lot of times it's not a side hustle problem. It's a money problem. You need to make more money. And if you can't make more money, start slashing things, you know, start bartering, you know, um, you know, can you pay for, you know, can you babysit somebody else's kids? You know, that's not going to require a lot of time for you to get away. But just to, to, to reiterate that, it's strictly your budget and slashing things that you don't need and things you don't want to let go of. You have to get rid of that. So I don't recommend extra side hustles when you're trying to get out of debt, when you're living paycheck to paycheck. Unless you really just have a skill, you can bake in the house, you can knit. And you can sell things, but to have to go out to another job and drive and do something while you're working a second job is a lot. Unless you have that flexibility and you have someone to help you out. I didn't have that. So while I was working, my number one focus was to slash everything that I can and to make myself more marketable in my career. Yes, I like that. I like that. I think now a lot of people are like, you know, um, every single mom needs a side hustle or I guess an additional stream of income rather. But there are a lot of people who like blog and um, they do different things to make money. But it's just like, like you said, you know, it takes money to make money. So you're like putting mm -hmm. out money um, every single month to you know keep everything running. And if you're not making it, yeah. It's like you're, I won't say you're losing it, but you know, you're investing in something that you won't get the return on immediately. And so right, I think exactly. that is one of the things that you really have to consider if you're serious about, you know, getting out of debt. Right. Exactly. And that, and for me, like I said, 
you know, once I felt the relief of not having a car note and credit card, I'm like, I'm not going to put myself back into that situation. So I'm going to have to figure out how to make this work and cash flow it, but I can't really cash flow it because I don't have any money. You know, I didn't have the extra income. I was living below paycheck to paycheck. All I could, all I, my unemployment was 1800 a month. And so in addition to having Medi-Cal, um, which is the, the California free medical for my daughter and I, and having um, food, a lot of my pressure was released, but believe I still was depressed because, you know, I am extremely, you know, intelligent and bright. Um, and I worked hard. I had a good career and I wasn't getting anything. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do a gimmick side hustle or, you know, follow along with something else and have to put money into it and possibly go back into debt. I wanted to become completely done. Now I did educate myself. I did read a ton and there were things that I wanted to do because now I do know I can't rely on corporate America. I can't rely on somebody else. I've been laid off too many times to rely on work. So, you know, I definitely want to, you know, and, and where I'm at now, since I'm debt free, I am going to pick up a side hustle, but I can do that comfortably now because I don't have any debt. I can afford to take that risk and possibly lose money. As a single mom, I, uh, missing out on $500 and then not come back to me was a risk that I just was not willing to take. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. So did you focus, Angela, on like the lowest balances when and when you decided what you were going to pay off first? Or did you just say like, I want to pay my car off first? I want to pay this, this and that. So like, how did you come up with your plan? I follow Dave Ramsey's plan and I, pay, I did a snowball method. And I had $3,000 of credit card. I paid that off first. And then my student loans and my card note were about the same. I mean, it was, my card note was a little less. So I went ahead and went with the car, got rid of that. So yes, I did do the, um, the snowball method. And I felt that that was the best for me because, you know, it's, it's mental. Yeah, um, it is. That my, my my interest rates weren't that high. I mean, it wasn't crazy, and I didn't have a ton. You know, I, I still had a very I had a very high credit score when I started this process. So it just made sense to go with making those small wins, and it helped. It helped a ton when, and that's why you know when I was doing the Susie Orman, I just nothing would work because I'm trying to put fifty here, pinching money here, doing money here. When I was able to just throw it all away. I'm like, oh my gosh, my credit card is paid off. Now I have all this money to throw out my car. I was able to pay my car. I paid my car off in a year and a half. And I was supposed to all of, I, I had it on a four, a four year plan or a five year plan. I had it on a five year plan. I paid it off in two years, not a year. And I paid it off in two years by doing the debt, by doing a snowball method, sacrificing, doing a budget, cutting things off. Um, and just looking ahead. I want to buy my duplex. You know, I want to, I want to build wealth. I want to have wealth. I want to have, you know, what they say. I want to um, build a tree for my daughter and her kids to have shade, you know, when they get older. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's all I kept thinking about. And that's what kept me going. That's what kept me motivated. After I got laid off in 2017 and I was doing all of the work in 2018, last year, I got a job where I was making Back up to somewhere where I was at, I was making $55,000 a year 
Three months into that job, guess what? I got laid off. Again, my third layoff. And I'm still, at this time, um, at this point, all I could do was laugh. I'm just like, this is, this is, this is, this is funny. It's comical by now. But I know what I have to do. Two months later, I'm at the job where I'm at now, and I'm making $65,000 a year. And in November of last year is when I became debt-free. Oh, wow. So you started, you started in 2015 and 2014, 2014. So it took you four years because of the layoff. But if you had a, like, if you didn't get laid off, you probably would have done it in less time than that. Right. I would have did it in like two and a half years. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. So, and when, you know, I think you briefly mentioned about your budget, you were saying to like, you know, slash your expenses and, you know, make sure you have a good budget and stick to it. So mm-hmm. how did you go about creating your budget like initially and how has it changed like over time? Do you still sort of have the same budget? Cause I, I see like a lot of different methods, right? And so how did you determine like which one was most effective for you? Um, <laughs> my budget was always, I always did it on paper. I tried to do the sophisticated Excel spreadsheets. I've made a whole ton, but that's just something that I wasn't going to look at all the time. So like my method that I've done even before I started this journey was, you know, I'll get my check, say it was $1,500. I open up my book and start subtracting. Okay. This is my calendar. This is I put all my bills and expenses in my planner, my calendar, open up my calendar. So for these two weeks, I have $1,500. I'm taking away 200 for food, you know, 300 for gas and and, and going down the list. Um, And every time I would pay something off or pay it, I would scratch it off the list so that I can see where I'm at or what I have left. I then got a hold of the Every Dollar app, which is Dave Ramsey's money app. I wouldn't say it's the absolute best app, but I'm kind of lazy and I don't feel like looking at all the different other stuff and I wanted something free. So now I use his app and I'm able to put all of my expenses in. I'm able to put how much money I make a month and then put all of my expenses in and it'll tell me you know, you have 300 left to spend or, you know, you're over 400. So I have to look at that, at that list and say, you know what, I can't get my hair done this month because I need to make sure I put money in a savings. I need to take 300, 250 off of that, that line item. I, oh shoot, I forgot that I have to, um, there's a birthday party for my daughter's friend. I have to put money in for that. And so by using any budget, I'm sure any budget um, app or whatever you use, just putting in what you have and you can see and start eliminating and playing with it that way. And I still do it on paper because the budget app for every dollar is a month at glance. I get paid biweekly. So every time I get paid, I write out a piece of paper and start subtracting all of the bills that I have and everything I want to do. If I don't have enough money, I have to take it away. Now, when I was becoming debt-free, I didn't have any extracurriculars. I really only had tuition, rent, cell phone, internet, Netflix. I had Audible for a minute, and then I cut that off because, you know, I needed to listen to books while I'm on the road. Um, I did have Linda where I would get on and teach, try to teach myself how to edit, try to teach myself how to do the advanced PowerPoint. And there became a, t- a time where I couldn't afford that. I had to get rid of that. So those were 
things that, you know, I tried to do to make myself more marketable. But when the time came where I couldn't do it, I had to cut it off. So that's, that's, that's still how I budget. Um, now my budget is a lot more fun because I have a lot more money to, to play with. But then I didn't. It was pretty simple. I had maybe six or seven items. And I'm so thankful that, you know, I keep saying this because if I still had all the debt and credit card that I had, and although I felt I had nothing and I cried every day and I just felt like I was never going to get out of this, I just kept telling myself, Angela, if you had your $308 card note plus your $100 insurance and you had your credit card bills, you would be out of a home. You wouldn't be able to make your rent, you know, and that is what kind of, you know, picked me up and kept me going and was like, you're right, you know. I, you know, haven't had any money for the past four years, but if I would have kept going the way I was going before, I would be homeless right now, or I would probably be on some sort of, you know, receiving a monthly stipend from the government. And that's just one thing that I was not going to do. I received the, um, the food stamps and I had the, 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 the medical, but I was not going to receive welfare. That's just what I was not going to do. And I was not going to let that happen. And because of the processes that I set myself up for by paying off my debt early, I didn't have to do that. Wow. That's really good. Cause I think a lot of people, they basically cancel their plans before they even get started you know, just speaking negatively over their life saying, well, I can't do it. I don't have the money. I live paycheck to paycheck instead of trying to look at it like in a positive light and say like, like you said earlier about the slash year budget, like what can I cut back? Like, I don't need Netflix. I don't need this, you know, hundred dollar cell phone bill. Like, let me see what I can take out. Like, I don't need the insurance, you know, like just those yeah. little extra things that we think we need we um, really don't we can cut those things out now what expenses do you have I'm sorry what expenses do you have right now like what do you currently have that you I guess can't go without now your daughter's back in extracurricular activity of course she's still well not really no? not really um no I mean she is but you know, the journey's not over. I'm, you know, currently saving my six month emergency fund. So I'm putting away fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a month to my to my emergency fund. When I was paying my debt off, um, you know, while I was working, I was trying to do around two thousand a month. So I'm only cutting back about four hundred. So um she still has the same extracurricular activities, but now instead of me putting her on other things, I'm putting money into my debt. Um, we have a Disney cruise coming up that I'm putting money away for. I'm actually pulling up my budget right now. I'm giving a lot more um, as far donating to different things. Um, for this month, I've allowed myself money for clothing. Um, I just um, paid about $200 for a CrossFit um, workout type group because I'm trying to get I know my my fitness in line with my finances. Okay, paying two hundred. All right. <laughs> yes, me paying two hundred dollars for some a fitness group would have no. I would I would have never done that. I've always had my gym membership, but now I'm ready to take things to the next level the next with my level. body and to transform. Mm -hmm. So you know that's in my budget. My personal care budget is 
now for this month, $250. I have natural hair. My daughter has natural hair. And sometimes I want to get her hair braided. I want to get my hair braided. Um, that's going to cost money. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to, you know, not just use soap on my face. I want to go out and splurge and buy me something nice to clean my face with. So, you know, all of that comes with it. Um, let's see, what else do I have in here? I have an entertainment budget now where, you know, I can go out and do things with my friends. I have eating out before. Um, and even on my Instagram, I post my, my expenses. And last year, you'll see, I spend $0 on, a month on eating out. I spend $0 eating out. Um, now I can put about $80 to eat out, take my daughter on vacation. And that's about it. But for this month, I'm putting away, or I've already put away $1,600 towards my emergency fund. And I'm trying to save up three months of expenses. I'm sorry, six months. Six months of basic living expenses for my daughter and I is 2000 a month. So I'm at, I'm almost done with, I'm at about $5,400, I believe, um, out of the 12. And wow, um, I should good. be getting my tax, I should be getting my tax return at the end of the month. And um, best believe all of that is going towards my emergency fund, every single bit of it. Um, years ago, I stopped relying on that money. I don't, I didn't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't like to plan for it. It's easy for me to throw it at debt because that's what I have been doing. The year I made $15,000, I ended up getting back $5,000 back from the, for, for taxes. I'm like, how in the world do you get more money back when you don't make any money? Right. But, hey, it's, you know, that's that, definitely <laughs> what it seems. Though. I used to get a lot more it, when I made less. Yeah. But that, I guess you know, it's like and, the more you make, the more they take. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, credits for, you know, people who don't make any money. Yeah, you know, they call are. it earned. They call it mm-hmm. earned income. Earn, earn, and income I'm like, well, credit. I didn't earn yeah. any. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't earn any income. But, you know, that was just fuel and it made me feel good to see that number go down. And now it's a different feeling because that number is going up and you know, it's easy for me to just throw that money away and to, um, to, to look forward to this cruise that I'm going on my daughter um, and that I don't have to penny pitch and we're going to have a great time and that I can contribute to my retirement fund and that, you know, by the end of this year, I'm going to have $10,000 saved up for my investment property. So everything I wanted to do in 2014, I'm still going to do, but I'm going to be in a much better position to do so. Yes. That's so awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, how much are you currently contributing to your retirement account? Right now, um, I'm only doing 6%. Okay. Because I'm at a company that matches. Okay. Um, Following Dave Ramsey's plan, he says to not do retirement yet and to do that emergency fund. But because I haven't contributed to my fund, to my retirement in the past four years, I didn't want to wait any longer. So I'm just doing the basic to get the company match, which is at 6%. Once my six months of expenses are complete, I'm going to up that to 15% right away off the top. Okay, so it seems like to me, um, just to kind of do a wrap up, so the most important thing in your journey has been sacrifice, whether it was like your expenses, like going out, you know, doing the things that you wanted to do, and you basically put everything down to the necessities. Yes, and that sacrifice 
became, and I don't want to make it seem like sacrifice is easy, like it was easy for me. The sacrifice came easy when I had no choice but to sacrifice. When you're only making $15,000 a year, you have to sacrifice. You know, you can't do what you want to do. So when my income went from 15 to 55, it was so easy for me to just throw $2,500 at debt because I was used to living off of nothing. My daughter was used to living off of nothing. And I had more fuel to hurry and get this paid off so that I can put myself in a situation where I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Or if I were to get laid off right now, I can put aside some money and start a business because I'll be comfortable. And I knew that. And, you know, having my Instagram account was helping to keep me accountable because I didn't have anyone in my real life, in my circle that was doing the same thing that I was doing. Wow, that's really good. So you have online community for a certain reason, and then you had offline community for a certain reason. That's so good. And then with Dave Ramsey, you kind of pick and choose what works for you to do at that moment. So you didn't stick to the plan completely. Right. And I say um, Dave's plan is really specific if you can do exactly what he says like the a lot of people are weary of the thousand dollars that he recommends and I was too but you have to realize that and what I did realize was his plan only works if you're going to go super hard when I first started I wasn't going super hard so if an emergency came up then I was going to probably need more than a thousand dollars because I wasn't selling everything but once I once I got to a point where I was going hard, going gazelle and getting rid of everything. If an emergency happened, I was able to use the money from my checks to take care of that emergency. Even when I, even when I have $15,000 a year that I made, I still have $1,000 in my emergency fund. Why? Because anything that came up, because I had no bills, I was able to take care of it. Now, if you're not going to, you know, do the extreme to hurry and become debt free in two, three years, then you can't, his his plan isn't going to work for you. And if it took me two years to get out of debt, I still probably wouldn't have contributed to my, contributed to my retirement fund. The only reason why I contribute to it because I've been out of the game for four years and I'm in my mid thirties now. I have to start somewhere. I have to pick it back up and I can't wait until I get to the 15%. Um, which will be hopefully in the next couple months. Wow. That's good. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. Do you have any last words or tips for um, any single moms out there that are interested in starting their journey? Just do it. Don't be interested. Get ready (laughs) to be (laughs) really just, I mean, it's, it's, it's so Like I know now what it means to have financial peace. Just this past, just on on Friday, um, there was a glitch with Wells Fargo system. And my direct deposit did on your page. Yeah. Yeah. Direct, direct, my direct deposit didn't hit. And I didn't have a meltdown because I knew it would come, but I didn't have any, I didn't, I don't have any bills. Um, And if I needed to pay something, I have money in my emergency fund to take care of that. I don't have a second spouse. My daughter relies on me, you know, and we're, and I know your audience is, I'm a part of your audience. I follow you as well. You know, we're all responsible women 
who are doing amazing things and want the best for our kids and, and for, and for ourselves. So it's just like, you know, think about why you want to do it because that why, and it sounds so cliche, but that why is what's going to keep you going. Um, and it's not only for my daughter, you know, it's for me there. I can't wait till I get to a point where I don't, where I don't have to rely on her father's help. And that's where, that's what I'm aiming at now. Um, because there were times when I was on this journey, if he didn't feel like giving me money or he didn't give me money, I would have been stuck. And I hate that feeling. So it, and you know, you need that why to slash that budget. You're, you have to get rid of things, no matter how much money you make. If you make a whole bunch of money, you're spending a lot. Um, if you don't make a lot of money, put time and energy into ways to help you make more money. Don't let the first thing be, oh, let me get a side hustle. Because guess what? Driving Lyft requires gas. That requires wear and tear in your car. That requires oil changes. Um, you know, sitting at home and doing something online to, you know, make you more marketable, to get your resume together, connecting with your old colleagues to see what's out there. That, you know, that's going to, that costs you nothing. Um, and so that would be my biggest, my, my biggest tip or advice is don't think about it. Just do it. Get rid of excuses. And cause you're going to have a ton, especially when it comes to things you have to cut out your budget. And it's, 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 it's just so worth it. And I feel like I got a raise. I don't make a lot of money now, but I feel like I do because I'm not making any payments to anybody. And it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And, and it even sounds so real that I'm saying this cause I didn't know if I would ever get to this point, but I did. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, the other moms listening can feel that and can, and can, and can do it and just start and just know that it's going to be hard and there's going to be a ton that you can't do right now. But when you're done to be able to go somewhere and spend five, six, $7,000 and then not mean anything is going to feel so good. It's going to be amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so thanks again for um, sharing that and those encouraging words. I really appreciate it. Let everybody know where they can follow you on Instagram and we are good to go. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This is so fun. Um, you can follow me at the novice wealth builder on Instagram. I'm only on Instagram. I don't post as often because my, you know, right now I'm just saving and and budgeting not but, a lot of activity huh <laughs> yeah I mean you know I may post a story or two but I mean I still don't go out believe I mean my entertainment budget goes unused <laughs> pretty often and you know that money goes towards you know food and and my debt you know and I am going to be picking up um, a, a side hustle so I'll probably post about that. I'm really contemplating on something right now. And I think I'm going to jump the gun and do it. And it's taking a lot because it's going to require um, some money out of me. And, you know, I'm afraid to take a risk, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to post about that in a little bit. But okay, yeah, the yay. Novice Wealth Builder on Instagram. Awesome. And I'll also provide a link for them to click in the show notes. That way um, they can go right over to your Instagram page. Yay. Yes. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. One thing Angela got to specify was that she has sacrificed living in a one bedroom apartment with her nine year old. Y'all, listen, that is a sacrifice, okay? I was talking to her after we 
got off the mic and I was like, that would be so hard for me just sacrificing my space, you know, but I guess, you know, a mindset shift has to happen. And, you know, there are things that you just have to be willing to give up. But anyways, let us know if you enjoyed this episode. You can leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. You can rate the podcast. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, drop us a comment and let us know what you think. You can also DM me over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. You can like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. You can check out the website. And as always, you can email me, singleblackmotherhood at gmail.com if you have any topic suggestions or if you just want to let me know what you thought of it. I love getting emails from you guys telling me about the episode, how they have changed your mindset or the way that you do things like it really makes me feel amazing so (laughs) thank you all so much for listening I appreciate it as always and make sure you are subscribed so that you never miss an episode until next week talk to you guys later bye